Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Before we read our, our text today, uh, let me just again wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful and happy New Year. And uh, I will say it this way, Happy Holy Days. Christmas is a holy day. New Year's is a holy day. So happy holy days and Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you. Every seven years, I've thought about this, but every seven years, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve fall on a Wednesday night, which is normally a midweek service for us. And so this year we wanted to try something a little bit different. Michael explained it, I thought, very well today but I just want to back him up and say this. Christmas Eve is going to be a family night for you this year. We want you to spend time with your family. I suggest reading the Christmas story together and and talking about how much Christ means to you on Christmas Eve. And then we thought we have a church family too. And on New Year's Eve, we could have a church family gathering and we could do the same. And so again, as Michael said, we're not giving you a night off. We're asking you to fellowship. If you have a home that you can open, open it up and invite people to it. And have a great usher in the new year with prayer and with thanksgiving this year. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was with, found with child of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, she shall bring forth a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. And today, I want to preach for a few minutes on this subject. I want to preach about the God who has no equal. The God who has no equal. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm trying to live by a philosophy that I I believe God revealed to me a few months ago. Maybe it will help you. I need to be what God wants me to be before I try and be what others need me to be. I'll say it again so that I make sure you get it. I need to be what God wants me to be 
before I try and be what people need me to be. And you can confuse those sometimes and get them in a reverse order. And constantly you're trying to be something that people want you to be. And you've got it in the wrong order. Now today I'm going to preach a message that the Lord has deeply impressed upon my heart and I would never want to offend anyone. That's not my intent. But I need to preach truth. And I need to preach truth in such a way that you will fully understand the magnitude of this mighty and magnificent and wonderful God that we serve. Because there is no equal to Jesus. He has no equal. You can't compare him to anyone. So if I say some things today today that are, that are direct, they're not meant to be hurtful, but they are meant to be truthful and illuminating. Now, the supreme being of the universe is not a committee. He is not a conglomeration. He is not a company. He is one. And throughout the entire Old Testament, he never would reveal his name. Though people would ask, even if angels appeared, they'd say, what should we say is your name? And he would never reveal it. But in the New Testament, he reveals his name. And the reason he does is because neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name that can save you. There's only one savior who can save you. He is God with us. Now, just a little bit of a history and a suggestion for you today. I suggest that some, at some point in time, you go to a library and you look up the word Trinity. The word Trinity came into existence, was brought to Christianity in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea under the direction of a man by the name of Constantine. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to check it out. And in this council, the concept of the Trinity was introduced. And the concept of the Trinity was that there were three co-equal, co-majestic, co-eternal persons of God. Three persons. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. How many of you ever heard that? I heard that. I didn't fully understand it, but... That's what we were taught, most of us. But we need to know that God is not a committee and he will not share his glory with another. Psalm, let's take a look at Psalms 135. Verse 13, the name of the Lord endureth forever and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. The Lord will judge his people he will repent himself concerning his servants. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. And they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. 
They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breadth in their mouth. They that make them are also like unto them, and so is everyone that trusts in them. We have a stand-alone God. He is not an idol. He is not a statue. But he is the Lord God Almighty, and he has no equal. I want to read a few verses of Scripture just from one book for a moment to you today concerning how God feels about not having any equal. I want to share with you the book of Isaiah, chapter 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Isaiah 43 and 10. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Isaiah 44 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spread abroad the earth by myself. This is a God who has no equal. This is a God who has no help. This is a God who does things by himself after the counsel of his own will. Why? Because he can. Because he chooses to. And he has no equal. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that makes all things that stretch forth the heavens alone that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. And, and it's obvious that he declares this throughout the entire Old Testament. But going back to the Council of Nicaea and going back to Constantine, he brought into existence at that council the universal church, also known as the Catholic Church. This is where the Trinity was introduced, and this is where baptism was changed from immersion to sprinkling of infants. There was no mention of repentance before baptism. And even the name was taken away in baptism, and titles were substituted. Now the concept of the Trinity that was introduced in 325 AD was fully brought to light in the 1400s when the Hebrew and the Greek, both the Old and New Testament, were translated into the English language. But you have to remember, we have 1,100 years of people now believing in the Trinity rather than the oneness of God. And so when they translate it, they translate it from the three persons of God. The first person is the Father. 
The second person is the Son, and the third person is the Holy Spirit or the Spirit that comes and lives inside of an individual. Three distinct persons. So when we read in the New Testament about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are confused comparing it to the Old Testament. But if God gives us a revelation, if we ask God to open up our eyes and our understanding to the scripture, we can have a Peter experience according to Matthew chapter 16. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you. Just by looking at me, you wouldn't have been able to figure it out. But you've had a divine revelation. God has manifest himself as the creator, the redeemer, and the regenerator of our lives. But he is not three persons. And his name is revealed to us. We are able to identify and tap into his power to the point of salvation. Because if we take away the oneness of God and we take away the name of Jesus, our sins can't even be remitted. It's that important, folks. We need to pray for this revelation and we need to see who God is from a scriptural point of view rather than from a traditional point of view. It is important. It's not just semantics. It is a revelation. And that revelation is what Christianity is built on. And after Jesus declared this revelation about it not being revealed by flesh and blood, he said, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, right? But what else did he say? And upon this rock, I will build whose church? I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's how important this revelation is, folks. Our Christianity is built on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, if you take a look at John chapter one and verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God the same was in the beginning. All things were made by, and notice that all the pronouns are always singular. They're never plural. It doesn't say all things were made by them. It says all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, verse 10. The world was made by him. Who are we talking about here? In the world, world was made by him, world knew him not. He came unto his own, his own received him not. We're talking about Jesus here, folks. The word has become flesh, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And then you get confused because we see the father in here. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. But God has manifest himself in these manifestations, not in persons, not in persons. Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, there is none, no God beside me. I girded thee, thou hast not known me, that you may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form light, I create darkness. I make peace, I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. 
Isaiah 45 and 12, I've made the earth. I've created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens on all the host have I commanded. Verse 18, thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is none else. Verse 22, look unto me. Look unto me. And be ye saved, all ends of the earth. I am God. Are you getting tired of hearing this? I mean, I'm saying it over and over and over again. And I know you're saying, man, when is he going to move off of this? I'm, I'm staying on it till you get it. Till you understand that there is no equal to our God. He stands alone. He stands alone. Isaiah 46 and 5. Here it is. Now watch this. To whom will you liken me? And to whom will you make me equal? Who are you going to compare me to? Who's like me? You are a God who has no equal. Remember the former things, verse 9 of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Wow. If we get this revelation, if we know who he is, we can approach him from every possible direction. We can approach him as our healer. We can approach him as our savior. We can approach him as our redeemer. We can approach him as our creator. Because there is no one else. And there is no one that is equal to him. Even the songs that we sang today. Oh, come let us adore him. For you alone are worthy. We'll give you all the glory. Do we know what we're singing? Colossians chapter two, verse eight. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's all in him. Have you been so long time with me and you don't know me? He that has seen me has already seen the Father. I and my Father are not two. We are one. This has been drilled into Israel. They are monotheistic because that's what God taught them to be. And that's what God wants us to know. He wants us to know his name and his person. We love to quote this verse of scripture that says, well done, you good and faithful servant. That's what we all want to hear, right? But there's another group, another group that have done mighty deeds, another group that have cast out devils. 
And he'll say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There never was a personal relationship. You never knew me intimately. You never sought me with all your heart. You had a form of godliness. You had a religion, but you never had a relationship. I'm telling you, I'm preaching this in this pulpit today. God wants to have a relationship with us, not just a religious experience where we come and clap our hands and lift our He wants us to know him intimately and in his fullness. In his fullness. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And you will teach them, as Brother Flick talked about today, you will teach them diligently unto your children. You will talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You'll talk about me all the time. God has shown himself to be greater than all gods. He's always up to the challenge because he has no equal. How about, let me give you an example of this. How about when the Philistines captured the ark and they put it in Dagon's temple, their big old idol right in the center of their temple and and they bring the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God to Israel. And they sat it right next to Dagon on a lower step off of the platform. But the next day, when they came in to open up the temple, there was Dagon on his face, bowing down <laughs> to the Ark of the Covenant inside of his own temple. And God was showing them, oh, we better prop Dagon back up again. We don't want anybody to see Dagon worshiping the God of Israel. So they propped him back up. The next day they came in, Dagon was on his face, lost his arms. He was all busted up. God is up to the challenge. He's up to the challenge. How about those that worship Baal? and had 450 prophets that declared that Baal was God. Was God up to the challenge with one prophet by the name of Elijah who said, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God and him alone be worshiped. Was God up to that challenge? You bet he was. He sent down fire from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, licked up all the water because he's has no equal. How about the Egyptians and all the many gods that they had? The rivers and the frogs and the cattle and even the sun and all of these things that they worshiped. Was God up to the challenge then? Did he not send 10 plagues and plague them with their own false gods? Did he not prove to them that he had no equal. I'm so glad to be serving a God who has no equal, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. 
eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it ever entered into the mind of men, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. How does he do all that? Because he has no equal and because he's God and God alone. And he demands this of his people. This is not optional. How many of you have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? We call them commandments. Listen to the first three. They all pertain to who God is and how he will not equality himself with any others. I am the Lord. This is Exodus 20 and 2. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Commandment one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right off the bat, you don't need to go to seven or eight. You need to start at one. God will not share his glory with another. And he declares it from the beginning, no other gods before me. Number two, you will not make any graven image, statues, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You will not bow down to them, nor will you serve them. I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God. And I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. But I show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and will keep my commandments. No graven images. Third, you will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. God will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. All three of these first commandments pertain to the oneness of God and no equality with any other God and not taking his name in vain. How many of you ever hear his name taken in vain? I do. That's why we're the opposite. We praise his name. We call on his name. We lift his name. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We know what to do with the name. We know how important the name is to baptism. Thank God for a name that can wash away your sins, give you a new opportunity at life, because there is no equal. Now I wanna make two more points and then I'm gonna quit. One of the gravest mistakes that we can make is the curse of comparison. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12. This is speaking of when Lucifer is cast out of heaven. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Thou art cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Here's why. Because you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. 
See all the eyes there? Pride. Equality. I want to be like God. Yet you are brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And they that see thee shall narrowly look upon you and consider, this is what you're going to see when you see Satan for the first time. Here's what you're going to say. Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed cities thereof and opened not the house of the prisoners? Is that all he is? He wanted to be equal to God? Are you kidding me? There is no comparison. It's not enough good versus enough evil. There is no, you can't compare God to Satan. God's power is so much greater. Yes. Satan has so little. He really only has what you give him. He was cast out because he tried to compare himself to God. And with him, one third of the angels were cast to the earth. Now, if God is greater than Satan, and Satan only has one third of the angels, and God remains with two thirds, Who's going to win this battle? Where will the equality be? You say, well, right now, you know, there's a lot of evil in this world. Why doesn't God just shut it down? Because man keeps it going. Man by his choices. Man by his rejection of God and his word and his spirit and his mercy and his grace allows Satan to have a prominent role in our communities and in our society. It's our fault. It's our fault. Now, he took this equality message and he tried to bring it to man. Take a look at this. This is Genesis chapter 3. I'm just skipping to the part where the serpent speaks to the woman, trying to get her to eat this fruit. And the serpent in verse 4 said, You will not die. God has lied to you. Because God said, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And Satan says, oh, God's a liar. You will not die. Here's why he said this to you. God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open and you will be as God's. There will be equality and God does not want any competition. If you eat this fruit, you're going to be as a God. How can you buy that? She did. She believed it. He was the liar. He always makes promises that he never comes through on. God's not worried about you in competition. He knows who you are. He knows you're but a man or a woman, or a boy, or a girl. He's not lying. He keeps his promises. Here's what Satan's plan is. If, if we can't be God, then we'll try and make God like us. We'll bring him down to our level so that you can be your own God. That's called humanism. 
I'm God. I control my own destiny. I make my own choices. It's all on me and on my ability. All you need is a good case of the flu. And bowing down to a porcelain God for about a half an hour. And you will know that you are not God. There is no equality. Don't try and bring God to your level and don't try and make yourself as God. I remember watching Rudy. I don't know why this comes into my mind. Football story. And they asked the priest, why does God do this and why doesn't he do that? And the priest says, hold it, hold it. He said, there's two things I know. Number one, there is a God. And number two, I'm not him. Boy, if you could just get that. There is a God. And you're not him. Then it would cause you to seek after God. We dare not, this is 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. We dare not compare ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but by measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. Do not compare yourself to God or another. It's a warning. This is a warning for us, church. Don't compare yourself to your brother and your sister. Don't do it. There are gonna be some that have flaws and you'll think you're better than they are. There will be others that, ha- that are higher than you are. It only leads to frustration. If you need to compare yourself to someone, get a mirror. But you're not God and you're not your brother and your sister. And our God has no equal. Psalm 33 and verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Folks, we serve an awesome, awesome God. He stands alone, an awesome, awesome God. I want to read this passage to you from Isaiah 9 and 6 and give you just a little bit of insight. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Every time you mention his name, Brother Flick mentioned this in the adult class today. You will see him as full of wonder. Again, there's no comparison. When you see a capital letter on a common word, even the word spirit in the New Testament, if it has a small s on it, it's referring to your human spirit. If it has a capital S on it, it is referring to the spirit of God in you. That's how they distinguish the greater from the lesser. Can I get an amen? Amen. We are the lesser, he is the greater. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. So when they take these words that we're about to read, 
they're saying, when you mention him, he is the wonderful of wonderfuls. He is the greatest wonderful. When you talk about a counselor, he is the counselor of counselors. He is the mighty God, the supreme being. He is an everlasting father to us. And he is the prince of peace. There is none to compare him to. He stands alone. And we need to put our government upon his shoulder. What are you talking about? Are you trying to undermine the American government? No. I'm talking about spiritually. For me as an individual, I need to let him govern my life. He is my provider. He is my protector. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Say, no, we have a U.S. military and we have an economic system. No, 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 no. Consider this. If he's as great as I'm telling you he is, shouldn't you be under his government? Shouldn't you see the provision that you have as coming from him? Your concerns and your fears, shouldn't they be conquered by his military and his might? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our God should be governing our lives every day by our choice. That's what a Lord does for his subjects. That's what a king does in his kingdom. He came as a servant, but he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords and there is none in comparison to him. And in the increase of his government, there shall be no end. There will never be an end. Never an end to his government. Say, so well, what's the point of all of this? I'm trying to get you to see how great God is so that you will come to him and submit to him. Surrender your life and put yourself under his governorship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is who I'm preaching to you today. He is the Lord of glory and there is no equal. First Timothy 1 and 17, let's stand together. First Timothy 1 and 17. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible. Any, anybody got an equal for this? King eternal, immortal, invisible. The only wise God, one wise God. Bunch of imitations, bunch that would like to compare themselves to him, but there's only one God, one God, eternal, immortal, invisible. To him be honor and glory forever and ever. Remember what we said? and of the increase of his government, there shall be no end.
When you appear before God, you will not see a committee. You will see one on the throne. He will either be to you, listen, this is, this is my final point. He will either be to you the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, or he will be the Lion of the tribe of Judah. As for me, I want the Lamb. I want the mercy. I need the grace. I admit I'm wrong. I'm not God. I'm not perfect. He is, and he is alone, and there is no equal. So today, oh come, let us adore him. Let's come to an altar and worship him the way that he deserves to be worshiped because he is everything he says he is and will be to you if you'll bow a knee and make him Lord of your life in Jesus' name. God bless you. This altar is open for prayer. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.